Welcome back to the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast. Thanks so much for being here and joining me this week. Uh, I have a really fun topic for us to dive into on the episode, which I'm sure that you saw from the title of this episode. But today we're going to talk about five of my most unpopular fitness opinions uh, as a online fitness coach. Uh, there's a lot out there in the fitness world on social media and elsewhere. A lot of opinion of opinions about the way you should do things or the things that you shouldn't do. Um, and there's a lot of things that have become mainstream opinions that maybe I don't necessarily agree with, or I agree with to a certain extent, um, but, uh, maybe have a bit of a different coaching philosophy than some other people. Uh, and I'm going to break down some of those things today. So this is actually stemming from, uh, a series of videos that I recorded for social media. Some of these have been posted already. Some of them have not. Um, so I would uh, encourage you to follow me on social media if you're not already. If you just look up Chris Gates Fitness, you're going to find me everywhere. Um, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. I mean, for God's sakes, I'm on LinkedIn, <laughs> uh, YouTube, um, you know, basically anywhere that you can find people on social media, I am there. And uh, make sure that you're following me if you you haven't already, because some of these posts, like I said, have already been posted. Some of them are too common. I would love to get your thoughts and feedback and opinions on some of my opinions on these things. Uh, so, you know, just some of the topics that I'm going to address uh, in terms of, you know, some of where my opinions are stemming from. We're going to talk about healthy versus unhealthy foods. Uh, we're also going to talk about program design and like the types of exercises you should or should not be doing. I feel very strongly about uh, some different aspects of that. Ab workouts. Oh yeah, we're going to dive into ab workouts because I definitely have strong opinions on some of the routines that you'll uh, find on social media. Um, we're going to talk about weight loss and how you should structure your diet and you know whether or not cutting out certain macronutrients like carbohydrates uh, is necessary. Um, and then like, we're going to touch base on alcohol as well. I'm going to give you my opinion on alcohol and making progress of fitness and how to combine all of those things together to actually make progress uh, in the way that I'm sure you want to. So I'm really pumped to touch on those topics today. And this is going to be the first in a series of, uh, future episodes on my unpopular fitness opinions because as I started jotting these down I found out wow I have a lot <laughs> I have a lot of these that I think would be fun to share and uh, you know get your your thoughts and feedback on them as well so uh, we're gonna dive into that really quickly before we do though I have a super exciting announcement have not announced this yet on the podcast um, but I am planning something really, really fun here uh, as we get closer to fall. And I know we're in the middle of summer right now, so you may not be thinking about fall and everything that is to come uh, with with you know the changing of the seasons. Uh, I'm recording this on July 2nd. So yeah, I'm sure you're more so in like cookout summer, 4th of July mode than you are fall mode. But, but hear me out here. I'm going to be doing a brand new coaching challenge called training camp. Now, if you've listened to my podcast for any length of time, you probably know a decent amount about me, especially if you follow me on social media as well. And if you do, you know that I'm a huge football fan. I absolutely love college football, pro football. Um, and you know, every time around fall, the beginning of fall, late summer, early fall, 
I open up coaching applications. I typically do a sale on coaching to bring folks in who want to maximize their progress during fall because fall is the most challenging time of year. Uh, and, and it's not only because there's the holiday season, obviously Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, all that. So that's very far down the line at this point. But as we get into August and then September and then October, that's not very far off. And if you're anything like me, things really pick up. Normally, things slow down in the summer, work-wise, people go on vacations, you know, th- things just get a bit more relaxed. But as we get back towards the end of August and then into September, things pick up. Uh, if you're a parent like I am, activities pick back up with the kids. The kids go back to school. There's so much else going on there. And again, as a football fan, like my September, October, November, December are full of football, right? So on the weekends, going to football games, doing the tailgates, having the watch parties, going on road trips every so often to go see my team play. And you know whether or not all of those things apply to you or not, there's a great opportunity to prepare for that time of year. Because once that kicks off in late August, early September, it really doesn't stop until we get to the new year. And so I am starting a new challenge called Training Camp because I want to bring folks in who essentially want to do what your favorite team does when we get to August, right? They open up Training Camp. The teams get together. They say, okay, we're going to get back in shape for the season. We're going to put a game plan together. We're going to start putting in strategies for the weeks and months ahead because we know what's to come. We need to put a game plan in place to make sure that we're successful with those things that we know we have to tackle here in the upcoming two, three, four months. So that's what I want to do with you. And if that sounds interesting to you, all I got to say is make sure you stay tuned. Training camp is going to open on August 7th. I will be opening up coaching applications, running a sale on coaching starting August 7th. I will have many, many more details to come. But if you're interested in diving in, getting a personalized training program, nutrition program, obviously support from me every single step of the way, every day of the week, every week of the month, uh, this is your opportunity, okay? And there's going to be a big sale on coaching so you'll be able to get in at a much more affordable price than is typically the case. Um, And, you know, like I said, we're going to get you basically into the routine of working on these healthy habits, uh, getting set up so that you can see success during a time of year where most people don't see success. Most people see their health and fitness track in the opposite direction. And, you know, just if you're interested in, in knowing about how this works, I did the same thing last year. And last year, the folks that I brought in ended up losing a combined 120 pounds. And this next number is actually more impressive than than that weight loss number. They saw 34 inches come off their waistline. Combine everybody together. 34 inches is insane. It's absolutely insane. So people who jumped into training camp last fall, saw tons of progress, tons of success. And and a lot of people enjoyed it so much that I'm actually, uh, with a handful of folks who jumped in last year, I'm still working with them today because they had such a good time. They saw so much progress and they enjoy this process. Uh, And it's not all about losing weight either. You don't have to jump into training camp if you want to lose weight. If your goal is to build muscle, I mean, the folks that jumped into training camp last fall uh, quite literally added hundreds and hundreds of pounds to their pressing, their squatting, their rowing, and other lifts. Uh, So we got strong, we built muscle, we burned fat, and uh, just generally established healthy lifestyle habits, improved body composition, and, and everybody really got in a much better position in terms of health and fitness than they were uh, previously. So 
August 7th. Like I said, August 7th is that date. There's going to be built-in challenges for training camp. Every month, we're going to do different challenges. And you know, based on your level of success, there will be prize winners. I'm going to be giving away free supplements. Some people are going to get free home gym equipment. It's going to be awesome. I promise you, this is something that you want to be a part of. You really want to be a part of this. Um, and there's going to be more details to come. That's obviously about a month away. So I'm putting it on your radar now so you can you know, write it on your calendar, go into your phone, plug it into your calendar on your phone and, and set notifications there so that you don't miss it. August 7th, there will be a big discount, big sale on signing up for coaching. And you're going to get to enroll in training camp, which is going to have a lot of fun challenges uh, to help push you in the right direction. So more good stuff on that front coming soon. Um, but uh, with all that now in the rearview mirror, let's dive into uh, some of my most unpopular fitness opinions. And we'll start with that first item that I mentioned. Let's talk about the concept of healthy versus unhealthy or good versus bad foods. All right, this is probably not going to be very popular, but that's the theme of things here, right? Um, opinion number one, unpopular opinion number one. Honestly, I think that there actually probably are foods that are quote unquote healthy or unhealthy, or if you want to say like this is a good food or a bad food. I actually think that we can probably just be okay with saying that. And I mean, again, if you've listened to my podcast for any length of time, you've probably heard me say the opposite of that. Like, right, there are no healthy or unhealthy foods. There's no good or bad foods. And to a degree, I, I do believe in that because... Um, I don't think, you know, on the surface, this is probably not what it sounds like. It's probably not what you think. Um, I don't mean that like if a food has X ingredient, whatever the ingredient may be, we'll call it X ingredient. If the food has X ingredient in it, that means it's quote bad or quote unhealthy. That's not what I mean. And, and a popular example of that, that I think gets bastardized across the fitness industry by a lot of people is like, you know, aspartame or, or, or artificial sweeteners in things like so soda. A lot of people will say that it's bad because there's artificial sweeteners in it and it's going to ruin your health. And so that is a bad food. And I don't, I don't believe that at all. And I don't believe that for any foods or any drinks or anything that you could consume really. Um, I, I don't think that there's an ingredient that's going to inherently be bad for you. Um, because I've said this before that I think it's like mostly about your relationship with the foods that you eat. And so that's what I want to that's what I want to build on here. I think everybody has probably at least a handful of foods that like in the moment make you feel good, but maybe long term don't make you feel very good. And and that's what I want to dig into here a bit deeper. I want to dig my heels into to that aspect of like a healthy or an unhealthy food. Because what would be a healthy or unhealthy food for me wouldn't necessarily be the same thing for you. <clears throat> and that's where I think our industry, the fitness industry gets it wrong, where we'll say like, well, I had a bad experience with this food and so it's bad for me, so you shouldn't have it either. And that's ridiculous. That makes no sense at all. Uh, but I do think there probably are for you a handful of foods that we can call, quote, unhealthy because of the way that your body reacts to them or because of the way that you react to them. So I'll give you a few examples for me. Uh, you know, First off, I, I find that very sugary, very sweet foods and typically foods that have you know high sugar or high artificial sweetness in it, um, they tend to make me feel great in the moment, in the first 
you know, obviously while I'm eating it and then within the next 15 minutes. But as we get into the longer term, an hour later, two hours later, six hours later, tomorrow morning, they make me feel bloated. They make me feel lethargic. I don't feel, a lot of the time I don't feel happy about the fact that I ate them because I felt like it just wasn't necessary for me to do. And that's not all the time. Sometimes, you know, if it's like my birthday or if it's a party, kid's birthday, whatever the case may be, like I can indulge in those and not feel unhappy about it. But sometimes I just eat them because they're laying around and then I don't feel great about it. Um, and, and even beyond that, like I said before, the, the bloated, lethargic feeling, that tends to get to me the most. And it's it's often lim- very specific to those very highly sugary sweet foods. So I try to limit the amount of cookies and cupcakes and those types of items that I eat on a regular basis. And to be honest with you, I really don't eat that stuff very much, if at all. Um, and that I think is a type of food that's probably not quote good for me. It's probably more of like a quote bad food for me because of the way it makes me feel. And I think it's okay for me to say that like for me, those foods aren't productive. They rarely work me in the direction I want to go. So I can throw them, I can toss them in the unhealthy category, but I would never tell you that those are unhealthy for you unless you share that you have a similar experience. For me, I've also found, especially over the last one to two years, Alcohol is pretty much in the same bucket. It's pretty much in the same category. And so I almost never drink alcohol anymore, which is crazy because um, if you knew me, geez, I don't know, 20, prior to 2020, you knew me as a guy who liked to throw them back. And uh, it's not to say I don't enjoy beer uh, or you know I like bourbon and whiskey and stuff like that. I do enjoy those things, but I just, honestly, I feel crappy after I drink it. I am not a fan of waking up feeling lethargic. Even if you get like seven, eight hours of sleep at night, you still wake up feeling slow and tired and lethargic. Um, it just doesn't seem worth it to me. And some people can handle it better. Some people don't. And, and I think over time, the, the less I've drank now, the less I handle it well. And I've also felt that it just wrecks my sleep. And so that's another thing. It's not a food, but it's a something we consume. It's a consumable. That's another thing that I've kind of just over time said, you know what, like it's, it's, it's unhealthy. It's, it's not a good thing for you to, to drink, Chris. And now it's in that category. It's a lot easier for me to justify whether I should or should not have alcohol. And most of the time, the vast majority of the time now I'm finding like, you know what, when I reflect, when I lean into how that food, how that drink makes me feel, if I, you know, when I have the option to have it, I think about that and I'm like, you know what, I don't want to feel like that later because that later feeling lasts way longer than like the in the moment good feeling I'm going to pass. And so I think you probably have foods or drinks that do the same to you. And if you do, yeah, I'd say, I mean, it's okay to call it quote bad or quote unhealthy. The fitness industry has become, I feel like it's become so soft in some ways where like we're so uh, afraid to label something and demonize something or, um, I don't know, judge somebody for what they're eating. And I don't think we should ever judge anybody, but I think like it's okay to use those words. 
Uh, and I've even been been in that position before where somebody says like, well, it's an unhealthy food. I'm like, I'll be, hey, pump the brakes. Nothing's unhealthy, blah, blah, blah. But like it, we can all dig into it deeper on a personal level to find out what is healthy or unhealthy for you. And so I think it's okay to use those words. I know like flexible dieting made everything healthy. And, and in a sense, I think we can include any foods in our diet to make the progress that we want to make. But there are some that are going to make it exponentially harder for us to experience that progress and some that are going to make it exponentially easier to experience that progress. And like, why not lean into the ones that make it easier and make you feel more energized, more, uh, you know, more ready to train, more fresh, more recovered. Those are the foods that you should lean into. And it's okay to call the other foods unhealthy or bad. And like, yeah, you can't have them for a period, if you decide to, if you're presented with the opportunity, it feels right, you can have them. But I, I don't know. I feel like we can get away from whether or not we're allowed to categorize a food as healthy or unhealthy. All right, unpopular opinion at number two. Um, I think this one is hard for people to wrap their minds around because it seems very limited. But But hear me out here. I think that most people should really only be doing like the same 15 to 20 exercises forever. And like I said, that sounds very, very limited, but the place that this is coming from is I really find that so many people make change just for the sake of making change in their training program and their exercise routine. And I get it. Like, you want to be entertained. You want to have uh, things that are new and fresh and exciting. And I think that there is merit to that, that that's valuable in some ways. But I think that that addiction to wanting to have something new and fresh and shiny and sexy and exotic in terms of exercise uh, every three weeks or four weeks or five weeks actually hurts most people's progress. I think it's actually not going to benefit you the most to constantly be training, uh, changing, excuse me, the exercises in your training program. And I think if you find exercises that you're really good at and you feel the exercise the way you're supposed to feel it. And by that, I mean, like if you're training a muscle group and there's an exercise that just always, you always feel like the burn in that muscle. You can feel the squeeze. You can feel the stretch. You can feel every bit of it. Um, then that's probably an exercise you should keep doing. Why would you get that out of there? Like you're getting all the feedback from your body that it's something productive for you. You should probably ride it out and keep doing that exercise and see how much you can progressively overload it uh, over time. I think honestly, like what do they say? Insanity is uh, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Well, I would say it's also like if you're getting really good results, insanity would be changing things up for no damn reason. Why would you do that? Um, The best exercise programs really, the, the ones that get you the most progress in terms of building muscle, building strength, changing your body composition, I say this from experience, both personally, because I have been a program hopper. I have been the person that changes things all the time and gets distracted by the the bright, shiny new exercise program to the left or to the, to the right. Uh, the best exercise programs are not full of exercises you never heard of before or seen before. Um, and, and people I've worked with, they've always gotten the most out of doing the basics, the compound exercises, the ones that puts you through a full range of motion and challenge your body. And then like 
through time, as we, I continue to work with somebody, we find the exercises that they get the most out of, that they really enjoy doing and really get the most out of. And then we just lean into those. And I don't want to make this, this sound as limited as it does, because when I say the same 15 to 20 exercises, really what I mean is like, let's pick a couple muscle groups. So like, if you want to train your chest, I, how many different ways are there for you to train your chest effectively? Like, and we know it's effective. Well, you could do a flat press, you could do an incline press and you could do a fly, right? Like what other ways are we going to train your chest? You could, I guess you could do decline, but like, so that's maybe four, but there's a lot of different variations within those concepts, right? So like if you're doing a dumbbell bench press, you should probably understand that you're going to do some form or, or fashion of a dumbbell bench press forever. And we can mix things up. If you really get a lot out of that flat dumbbell bench press, we can load you up heavy and do uh, sets of six to eight reps for a period of time. Uh, then down the road, we can switch it up and do high reps, do 15 to 20 rep sets. We can get your feet out of the equation, do feet up bench press, and then do those in different rep ranges. We can incorporate pauses. So at the bottom, you pause for one second or two seconds before you press the weight back up. We could do slow eccentrics where after you press the weight back up, you count one, two, three, four on the way back down. Like there are so many different things we can tweak within that exercise to continue to make it challenging and fresh and new, but it's the same exercise. You feel me? And that goes for like basically any other muscle group. I mean, if you want to build your legs, if you want to build stronger legs, you're going to be squatting, right? You're going to be doing some form of a squat. So it, just understand you're going to be squatting for the rest of your life. Um, and I, what type of squat do you do? Well, over time we find the one or two or three variations that work best for you, but it doesn't have to be a barbell squat. It could be a goblet squat. It could be a box squat. Um, you could be a hack squat. They're just, you know, we could even, it could be a leg press, which is essentially a squat, but your back is supported. Um, that, that's what I mean. Like we're not, how do I want to say this? For you to make the best progress in your strength training routine, it's not to do things like try to find an exercise that's going to target like a specific set of muscle fibers to build the outer head or the inner head or the bicep peak on your arm. Like those, you're going to get so deep into the minutia that you're going to miss the overall benefits you could get from doing core compound uh, foundational exercises. So my point here is the best programs are not sexy or flashy. They're rooted in the basics. Here and there, you can sprinkle in a little bit new, a little bit new, but like for the vast majority of your training, you should be doing more or less the same 15 to 20 exercises over and over with built-in variations like I talked about before. And that's what it looks like. There's a reason people have been squatting and pressing and rowing forever, and uh, it's because it works. And what you need to do is uh, for the most part, just get really good at the basics, like really good. And by really good, I mean like perfect form and technique as close to perfect as you can get. And, uh, you know, finding those exercises in those movement patterns that allow you to really get the most out of each rep and really feel the exercise. And if you do that and do that for years, you will make an unbelievable amount of progress, much more than you would make if you were constantly switching things up because you saw something new or sexy or exotic or flashy and you're constantly changing your program. Unpopular opinion number three is that most ab workouts are complete overkill. 
and you're probably doing way too much work for your abs and not enough work for your other muscle groups. Uh, let me explain. This is, again, coming from somebody who's done everything wrong in the past, and um, I don't know, you know, you may or may not be familiar with this program, but the thing that I did first in my fitness journey was P90X. I think a lot of people, uh, maybe not younger folks, you may not be familiar with that, but, you know, if you were uh, growing up in the early 2000s, I think you probably remember hearing about P90X. Um, and there was an ab, it was called Ab Ripper X. There was an ab workout in that program. I swear it was like 10 exercises and like 300 total reps or something crazy like that. It was absurd. It was absolutely absurd uh, to think that you could do that much or needed to do that much. And they were all body weight exercises too. So, you know, I made some progress with it, but at a certain point I was just like going through the motions, doing the exact same workout, uh, every single day. And it, it didn't, uh, there, there was a, a high level of plateauing that happened and I wasted a lot of time with it. Um, but that's a great example of what I think we still see for the most part with ab workouts. You know, there's a lot of like coaches and influencers in the fitness space that like to post these swipe workouts on Instagram and TikTok and whatnot, where like it's 10 different ab exercises or five or six different ab exercises. And a lot of them are things like you've probably not tried before or not seen before. And it makes, they do it. The reason they post that is because it makes you think, oh, well, I don't have a six pack, but I've never done that exercise so I'm going to follow this guy or I'm going to follow this girl because they they must know what they're talking about. And, and I hate to break it to you, but um, there's almost no reason for you to probably do those exercises that they're sharing. Um, and, and, you know, I see people in the gym uh, for, for years, I've seen this people going into the gym, doing like seven, eight different ab exercises, none of which are the ones that we know are the most effective. And they're most of the time not involving any additional weight. So it's like body weight stuff. And there's nothing wrong with body weight stuff, but you're just, you're not going to get the most out of it over time. You need to progressively overload your abs. Your abs are no different than any other muscle group in your body. Uh, you need to progressively overload your abs to see them grow. Um, and we know what exercises are the best for building your abs. Your abs do three main things. They're responsible for three main functions. And, and I have an article on my website. If you want to check it out, uh, the best exercises to build your abs, I break down the exercises you should be doing to build your best set of abs. And your abs do three main things. Um, your abs are responsible for crunching. They're responsible for rotating and they're responsible for bracing. Okay. So bracing is accomplished in most compound exercises. If you're doing them correctly, take a deep breath in, <gasps> brace your abs while you're squatting or pressing or rowing, whatever it may be. Uh, your abs help you brace your core. Rotating seems pretty self-explanatory too, like rotating your trunk or your torso and then crunching, which everybody knows, right? That's why sit-ups have never gone away. It's because they actually work. <laughs> they actually do work. Um, so if you factor those things together, like make sure you're doing compound exercises. I really like some different, uh, rotational exercises like wood choppers or bicycle crunches. Um, and then for crunching the abs, it's really about just like finding ways to uh, flex your spine under load. You could do that with a dumbbell crunch. You could do that with a rope pull down. There's, there's a bunch of different options, but, um, you really only need to do a few different 
exercises to directly target your abs. You certainly don't need to do seven, eight, nine, ten 10 of them, uh, a workout. Um, so yeah, most ab workouts are complete overkill. Anything that you're seeing, it's probably a crappy ab workout. If I'm being completely honest with you. Uh, and, and also before I wrap this one up, let's, let's not forget the way that you actually see your six pack and have visible abs is mostly because you need to lose body fat. That, that also, maybe that's a bonus unpopular opinion, but like you're not going to be able to train your way into a six pack in almost every situation and circumstance. You need to build those muscles, right? You need to develop your abdominal muscles, but you need to shed body fat to actually have a visible six pack. And uh, that's what trips most people up. If they're if you're not really focusing on the details, you could train your abs as much as you want uh, until you get in a calorie deficit and lose some body fat. You're not going to be able to have a visible six pack uh, and see those abs that everybody seems to want. But yeah, most of those workouts that you see from your favorite fitness influencer, um, they're crappy, they're overkill, and you don't need to do them. Okay, unpopular opinion number four. This one is almost certainly going to go against things I've said on this podcast uh, once again. But once again, stick with me, hear me out, because I'm going to explain what I mean. Uh, The unpopular opinion is cutting carbs actually probably is the best solution if you want to lose weight. Just straight up. I mean, like (laughs) I'm going to explain why. Um, and, And real quick, before I get into... Too many of the details. Um, I am not saying that keto or carnivore are the best solution if you want to lose weight. I'm saying cutting carbs, cutting some carbs is probably going to be best for you if you want to lose weight. Um, and I, 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 I want to, I, I mean, it's pretty much a no brainer because you're not going to be able to cut from the other macronutrients. If you want to lose weight, you have to find some way to cut your calories. And that's going to come from protein, carbs, fats, or alcohol. Alcohol is a great candidate, but we're going to factor that out because it's not a food source. So protein, carbs, and fats, where are you going to cut from? Well, we don't want to cut protein, right? Because it's very beneficial for your overall health. It's very beneficial for you through the weight loss process to hold on to as much muscle mass as you can. You could potentially even build some muscle mass if you're strength training the right way and having enough protein. That's going to help boost your metabolism. It's going to make weight loss easier. We want protein, right? We don't want to get rid of protein. Uh, we don't want to get rid of fat either because fat plays a very important role in your overall health, hormone regulation, stuff like that. If you get too low in fats, you can really screw up some different health markers for yourself. So we don't want to go too low on fats. We can cut from fats, but normally we've got to be a little bit careful there. So you kind of have to cut carbs more dramatically than anything else. And again, I'm not saying you have to cut all carbs, but I am saying that starting with carbs is probably a good place to begin. Um, I do find keto and carnivore to be completely unsustainable. I do want you to make sure that you include carbs in your weight loss journey because it's going to make it more sustainable. But if we think about, you know, people who need to lose weight, if you need to lose weight, what are some of the things that are troubling you, ailing you, preventing you from making that progress right now? Um, It's probably, at least in part, that you have a lot of processed food that you can get rid of. Perhaps you do a little bit too much snacking. Those types of things come with carbohydrates. So simple reduction or elimination of unnecessary snacks or highly processed foods can 
be an easy way to get your weight loss trending in the right direction, and that's cutting carbs. It's not cutting out all carbs because you can still get healthy, nutritious carbs from whole grains. Um, you know, there's different, like you can have pasta, you can have uh, rice, you can have quinoa, you can have potatoes. There's so many nutritious carb sources that you can include that don't have to have you eliminating all your carbs. But if you eliminate some of them and, and those easy ones that really add up in terms of calories are a great place to start. You will need to reduce carbs in some way to start losing weight while maintaining your best overall health. Because again, we don't want to cut protein at all. If anything, most people probably need to increase protein. We can cut fats, but you probably don't want to cut fats too much, depending on how much fat you regularly have in your diet. So carbohydrates are the easy way to go. And like I've said it a million times, I know that like you don't you can eat whatever you want to lose weight. You don't have to cut carbs, keto and carnivore, terrible diets. Like I've said all these things. A lot of that I still believe. Um, but I think it's like from, I'm a coach that preaches flexibility and sustainability and other coaches that do that, that have that same messaging like me often like really push back on the concept of, well, you're going to have to cut carbs then. And so many coaches and, and, and influencers and trainers say, no, you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to. And like, no, you don't have to, but if you want to maintain your best overall health, your best body composition yeah, you do. You have to cut some carbs. And it's okay to say that. And we're not saying, I'm not saying you have to cut out all carbs. I've made that very clear. But to have your best health, your best progress, your best body composition, you're going to have to cut some carbs. All right, let's hit it. Last one for this episode of Unpopular Fitness Opinions. You might not like this one. I really don't think if you want to see progress with fitness, if you want to make the best progress you can possibly make, like if you really mean it when you say, I want to build muscle or I want to lose 20 pounds or whatever the case may be, I honestly, man, like you shouldn't drink alcohol. You just shouldn't. And I, and I mentioned this a little bit before, but like it, it's not, it's going to make your journey exponentially more difficult. Okay. <clears throat> I'm not saying you can't. I'm not saying you can't drink alcohol and build muscle, burn fat, whatever you want to do. Um, and I'm not saying that if you do it, your progress will be terrible, but alcohol just makes everything more difficult. Like when it comes to your fitness and changing your body, if you want to lose weight and you're getting calories from alcohol, it reduces the amount of calories you can have from food, which means you have less energy coming in to fuel your workouts, which means your workouts could be less effective. If your workouts are less effective, you're not going to be giving your body as good of a stimulus to change, right? To adapt to your training, to build muscle, to burn fat, to get stronger. That, that, that's a big trickle down effect right there. And then like, if you drink alcohol consistently, it could affect your training because you're feeling more lethargic and slow and tired and hungover and all those things. It tends to make nutritional decision-making worse. Um, I, mean, I think, you know, like if you, if you drink alcohol and you, you drink a lot of it, what are you going to go to when it's time to eat food? Because alcohol makes you feel hungrier. So then you go to a lot of those highly processed, high fat, 
high carb, very salty, uh, just calorie dense foods that really hit the spot in that moment. Then you wake up the next day, you're hungover, you feel terrible about the decisions you made. Obviously, if you eat way too many calories, it negatively affects the journey that you're trying to make if you're trying to lose weight uh, or if you're trying to build muscle. Even if you're in a calorie surplus, you it's just, you're going to be giving your body a lot of the wrong things. A lot of conflicting information maybe is the best way to say it. Cause you're saying to yourself, I want to make this change for the better. I want to be healthier, happier, stronger, fitter, but then you're consistently drinking alcohol, which is a challenge every step of the way, like literally every step of the way. And don't get me wrong. I talked about this before. I love beer huge IPA guy. I like bourbon. I like whiskey. Um, but like I said earlier, I have found that like, it just, I don't feel good about it. And, and the more I lean into the things that make me feel good and energized and recovered and fresh, the less I can justify drinking alcohol on a regular basis, because it's just so contradictory to the goals that I have. And, and I've seen this with myself and with people I work with too. Like if you get alcohol out of the equation, even if you're able to manage alcohol, let's say you want to lose weight, you're able to manage alcohol in your calorie deficit, everything's tracked perfectly, and you know that you're eating fewer calories than your body burns, and so you're losing weight. Your body composition just doesn't end up being as good at the end of that process. It just doesn't. It just does not end up being as good because of all those things I just mentioned. It's going to negatively impact you in other ways that are going to have a trickle-down effect on either your decision-making or or your ability to perform in the gym. And over time, when you do that over and over and over again, it's going to negatively impact the actual end result and product that you're seeing in the mirror. So, you know, for so many different reasons, um, I really believe it. Like I really, I really believe it now. And this is something that maybe of, of anything that I've talked about so far in this episode, this is one that took me the longest to, to, accept both personally and professionally as a coach, it's okay to say like, you shouldn't drink alcohol. I just, I really think it's okay to lean into that. And yes, you could take a flexible approach. You can include anything in your diet and make the progress that you want to. You can, but there are things that are going to make it exponentially more difficult. And alcohol is probably at the top of that list. I don't feel bad anymore saying like, get rid of alcohol. Just like get rid of it. Get rid of it. Commit to getting rid of it for a month. See how good you feel. See the progress that you make in that month. And you will be a fool. And I, you will be a fool for going back to it. And I think you actually won't. Or if you go back to it, it will be at a much lesser degree because you'll see how much your progress skyrockets without it. The last couple of years since I have really moved away from alcohol, I have seen more progress. And I'm in my mid-30s. Okay. So I spent like my twenties dicking around, just doing like basically all the wrong things, like all the wrong things in my twenties <laughs> from, from a health and fitness uh, perspective. And, uh, unfortunately that's like the best time if you want to really see dramatic change. Uh, I, I just, I wasted all of it, but like to see dramatic progress in your mid thirties is not necessarily always common, especially for somebody who's been training consistently for the last 10 to 15 years. Um, I've seen more progress over the last two years than I've seen in a long time, a long, long time body composition wise. Like my, my body weight, I'm actually, I weigh less, but I look like I have more muscle on my frame now because 
I've just given my body so much more of the things that it wants and needs to recover and feel energized and perform well. And I've thrown less junk into it like alcohol. The, the, the results have been honestly unbelievable. And that's part of why I feel so easy (laughs) with saying, I'm easy going with saying like, just stop, just stop drinking alcohol, give it a try. I think you'll see a ton of progress and, and probably not want to go back. Uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up with that one. I got many more of these. Like I said, we're gonna have at least one more episode on unpopular fitness opinions. I hope you enjoyed this one. Hopefully it didn't make you too mad. If you do disagree, it's okay. I'm not gonna be mad about it. You can tell me. We can have a discussion. I would love to. Uh, again, you can find me on any social media platform, Chris Gates Fitness. Uh, just search for me and uh, make sure you follow along. I really appreciate the support. Um And yeah, don't forget that date, August 7th. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, August 7th, training camp opens. Um, As always, there's a link in the show notes to my coaching page. So you can go over there, check out more if you haven't already. But big sale coming up on August 7th and a brand new, a brand new adventure. I'm I'm really, really excited about training camp. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun with built-in challenges and everything. So I uh, want you to put that date on the calendar, remember it, and then we'll get to work on your program uh, when the time comes. So stay tuned for more details on that end. Uh, But as always, thank you so much for listening. I'm really uh, appreciative that you were here uh, for the whole episode. uh, And I'm looking forward to diving into a new one soon. So until then, thanks again. Talk to you later.